The advice given on sex and other human activities is for entertainment purposes only. If you've got a question for us, send us an email at cavecomedyradio at gmail.com. All doing radio? <laughs> Hello, welcome to Sex and Other Human Activities. On the radio? Oh, we are doing radio. Oh, I'm Marcus Fox. I'm Jackie Zabrowski. <laughs> oh, you broke I it. dropped it. <laughs> I dropped the dumb accent. <laughs> no, it's my radio accent. He's what are we on radio? <laughs> <laughs> it is a very fun accent, but yes, we must drop it at some point or another. <laughs> of course. So I mean, I'll keep it going if you really want me to keep it going, <laughs> but it's just going to make this podcast very long and difficult to listen to. <laughs> and nobody wants that. No. No, 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 no. Nobody wants that. Least of all, you, dear listener. Yes. Listening thank you. out there in Radio Land. Radio. Radio. <laughs> radio. So I noticed something when we were recording page seven on Tuesday, and I was I was looking at it, and I kept thinking like, "There's no way that that's what I think it is." I I was staring at a very large hand shaped bruise on your arm, yes. a grabby type bruise, and there was I was thinking like, "There's no way that that's coming from Doug." There's no way that that's coming from Doug. Like there's like there can't be, but. I also didn't want to ask. Like I I don't know why like it just it looks like a personal bruise. Like that looks like a story that if you wanted to tell me that story, then you would. But I shouldn't pry on that. And that's weird. I know you so fucking well, and it's weird that that thought still went through my mind and you were telling me before the show that you've had people come up to you about this. Well, I'm going to start by saying that <laughs> this bruise, it is definitely like you could see the fingers on the other underside of my arm. You can see a thumbprint and like where the man's palm was. It is like a big bruise all underneath my arm and around my arm. And I got it when I was filming something. I was doing a boot camp scene last Friday. And part of it was that it was like, oh, fat girl can't do the push-ups. Yeah. So I was trying to do push-ups. And the man that was playing a physical trainer who was one of the biggest men I've ever seen. He was huge. And he was fucking thick as hell. And he thought it would be funny to grab my arm and pull me up and down while I'm doing... <laughs> The push-ups, which ended up looking very funny. Yeah. And when he did it the first time, I was like, man, that hurts <laughs> a lot. That hurts so bad. But I also know I have no pain tolerance whatsoever. So I'm like, it's funny. I'm just going to keep doing it, which was dumb. I should have said something. Yeah. Because after the fourth take, when my arm immediately started to bruise up and it got all swollen because he just didn't know his own strength of you know it was like a very Lenny type situation where he didn't mean to he was the nicest guy in the entire world and afterwards when I told him that it was hurting me he's like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry why don't you say something I'm so sorry and I was like no no it's fine I wanted to get the take it was really funny but ever since I've had a very noticeable handprint bruise on my arm and I was just talking with Marcus that I thought it was so interesting the kind of people that have seen it and have not said anything, the kind of people when I notice at when I'm at work talking to customers that can see it, I tried to cover it as much as I could, Right. but it's really hot in work, so it's not like I'm gonna wear long sleeves. And there were, which I think is amazing. I had multiple people ask me if I was okay, yeah. if something was happening, 
in my home. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. It's just, I was filming this thing and yada, yada. <laughs> and I mean, it sounded like Excuse. I fell down the stairs. Yeah. You know, I sounded like, no, it's fine. Everything's fine. And I actually had a woman asked to talk to me and pulled me off to the side and was like, if you need help, please contact me and gave me her card. And she's like, I don't, she's like, you are a wonderful person. I don't want to see you living in fear. And I was like, it's really not anything. She's like, I've heard that before. Yeah. And just please contact me if you need any help. And I was so touched. Of course. That people actually, because in this city where you see things and you're just like, uh, and you just keep walking because you don't want to say anything because it's none of your business but that there were a good amount of people that did ask me if I needed help, which was awesome. And I feel like people should do that more often, but how do you do that? Yeah. What kind of, it's like, it takes a lot. Like even you didn't want to ask me about it. I mean, I knew, I eventually forgot about it right. because I knew, I knew it had to do something with acting because right. I, I do know you well enough, but even it took me a little bit to get to that point. Like I had to not necessarily talk myself into it, but still like just eventually come to the conclusion where, you know, it's like, okay, I can ask about that. But then also came to the further conclusion where I forgot about it. Right. Because I know you. Because you know, I mean, you know yeah. Doug very well. I know Doug very well. I know you very well. And I know, uh, first of all, he's not that strong. No, 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 no. His hand isn't <laughs> yeah. that big His hand either. is not, yeah, he is not that strong. His hand is not that big. Uh, and I just know he would never do that. And I know if he did do that, he probably be giving me a call uh, asking me to sleep on my couch. Yeah, or he would be in the hospital because I would... More than likely in the hospital, I'd say. <laughs> Between me and, you know, yeah, everyone. my brother and you and well, you think I would be <laughs> silent. I'm not that silent. No. I'm not that kind of person. No. Um, but it's also scary to think that, you know, you see people with bruises like that a good amount and no one says anything. And it's like, it's, I feel that it's, it's it's finding the line of like, how well do I know this person? Because a lot of my customers don't know my acting and don't know the kind of things that I do and know that I'm rough. Yeah. You know, they, they see a very different side of me. So they see me as someone that could be in that kind of situation and is too scared to say something. Whereas my friends know that that's not the case. And that's not true for everyone, but for me, it just is the case. Yeah, and you know, and I'm sure there are plenty, I, I'll admit I have not had a whole lot of experience with domestic abuse victims, uh, at least that I know of, that I am aware of. And I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that are victims of domestic abuse that you would never think in a million years would ever put up with it or would ever be victims of it. You know, and that's, uh, you know, I think that that's, probably a very hard truth of it. I mean, it's a I'd, psychological trap. It has yeah. nothing to do with your weakness or anything. You know, it is, you are stuck. Yeah. I mean, you're not, but you feel like you are. You're stuck. It's a Stockholm Syndrome type of situation. Uh, it's a very complicated thing. It's extremely complicated. And every case is different. Yeah. But then it's like, I realize how lucky I am that it is laughable to me that Doug would do something like this to me. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, I should appreciate that fact that yeah. I know for a fact that that will never be an issue in my relationship. He's just not that kind of person. And I've definitely pushed him to a point of where, like, if there were times <laughs> that he would even have an inkling and it doesn't even get to that point. I, I'm never even scared of anything like that. He's probably more scared of the opposite coming from me as I, like, throw something against the wall. Yeah. Which is, you know, but I don't 
use physical violence. I, I'm not a physically violent person because I know that I'll lose. Yeah. Because I learned through many years of bullying and beating up people that I lose. Yeah. Because it's, and it's not good. It's not a good feeling. It's not a good thing to do. And, you know, you grow past that, even mm-hmm. with anger problems. And I guess it just, it just kind of scared me, the whole thing, just to think of how many people are trapped in something like that. And that they would use an excuse of, oh, I was filming this thing, or, yeah. oh, I was doing this, and don't worry about it. We were rehearsing for a play. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then I just looked at the in the eyes of the people that, that decided to ask and you could see that they didn't believe me yeah and there's nothing i can do or say to change their mind but i'm happy for that i'm happy that there are people like out that out there and i wasn't able to say that at the time because you know i'm giving coffee in the morning i'm not like sitting and talking to people but i just wanted to send appreciation out there to those people that have the balls to ask sometimes because sometimes you just need to be asked that question by somebody that you don't really know too well to get you to open up. And I'd imagine you, the, you're the type, you're very approachable. So right. I'd imagine there are plenty of people out there where they notice something on somebody, they notice a bruise or a cut or something like that. And since that person isn't necessarily approachable, then they don't approach them. But these people are comfortable with you and you are obviously a very approachable person. So they're able to say those types of things to you. So there's you know, a lot of other people that you know, they probably just go right under the radar that nobody ever sees these things. And you know, not only do they not say anything, but they just don't see them. Because right. there's so many people in your day-to-day life that you just filter out completely, especially here. Uh, but I think everywhere, people just tend to filter out other people. Like That's just the way the human brain works. We can't process everything all at once. That's why, everyone, that's why people take DMT, because you're suddenly able to process everything in your field of vision. Uh, and if we did that all the time, we'd go insane. Yes, because so, you're, not, you're not made to do that. No! No, no, no. It's a very selective type of thing. I saw. I choose to focus on you, so therefore that's all I'm focusing on. Uh, so there are a lot of people, I think, that just fall out of people's peripheral vision. And, and But that's the that's kind of the, the weird thing about it is that should people go through their entire day staring at strangers' bodies looking for bruises? No. You know, that's yeah. also because then you – it's also privacy. It's also, you know, you don't know that person. You can also get yourself into a situation that you're not ready for. Mm-hmm. If you ask someone that kind of – sensitive question you don't know what their response is going to be because you don't know them yeah and that's also an even scarier way to go you know and it's also very hard when you see actual domestic violence happening in public like getting in the middle of something like that can be extremely dangerous people get killed that way yeah you know and that's uh, something that i think about you know, not often, but, you know, I, of course, you know, one of the other shows I do is, you know, New York City Crime Report, and I'm also a, you know, fucking daily reader of the Daily News, New York City Daily News. You know, I read it every, the paper every single day, uh, and not a month goes by where there's a story in which there is a, uh, a domestic violence uh, situation going on, someone gets in the middle of it, and that someone gets stabbed or shot or beaten almost to death and sometimes actually dies and so i think about it, it's like if i saw that if i saw some sort of domestic violence going down on the street would i have the balls to get in the middle of it would i have the wherewithal to get into the middle of it and say hey what the fuck are you doing right now like you can't you can't do that it's not something that a person fucking does uh and i don't know 
You know, I don't know. I don't know if I would go and I would size up the. I would probably size up the situation and think, does that guy look like he's got a knife on him? Does he look like he's right. got a gun on him? But ultimately, I don't know what I do. Uh, and I'm, you know, it could be that I just completely chicken the fuck out and wait for someone else to do something. Well, I've definitely, I, th- I think I've talked about it on here before that I, I find myself, I open my mouth a lot. If I have a problem with somebody, I am very frequently will say things that I probably shouldn't. <laughs> and because, you know, I, you know, I get into the red very often. Yes. But when I was living with one of our close friends from college, um, when we were living out in Ridgewood, Doug and I lived with her. She lived in the other room. And she started dating some dude she met on the train after the second day of living here. And he ended up, he was a gangbanger. And he was a lot younger than us. And he started beating the shit out of her. And she wouldn't, she would hide it. She didn't have a job. So I would come home and she would be covered in her robe. She was always at home until I finally saw bruises around her neck. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is going on? And I've heard them fighting in there because it's like on a room on the other side of the apartment. And I'd heard things and she's like, oh, it's fine. He was just, he got upset. And so I tried to talk to her about it. I was a lot younger then and I didn't know what to do about it. It was what, six years ago, seven? Yeah, about yeah. seven years ago. And it, I didn't know what to do until finally when they were in a fight and I heard her screaming and it sounded like he was slamming her head up against the wall. So I was home by myself, and I always thought in those situations, I'd be like, fuck this. I'm not fucking standing for this. But I also know that he had a lot of friends in the neighborhood, and I know that, you know, he had a key to the place, and Lord knows who else had keys to the place. And so I called the police, and she didn't talk to me again after that. She ended up moving out because I called the police on him because I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. And I wasn't going to let it stand. I wasn't going to just listen to it. I wasn't just going to leave the apartment. I loved her and I called the police and ever since she ended up moving out, she ended up uh, getting pregnant with his child and she moved back home to Florida and lives with her mother, is raising the child and he's nowhere to be seen. And it's like, it started from feeling trapped and at least she's away from him now. Yeah. But she gave up being a comedian and gave up everything to get away from him to take the kid and move home. So you think you're doing the right thing sometimes too and it just bites you in the ass but I don't feel bad about what I did. You shouldn't. You did the right thing. Because I I mean what I want I knew what I wanted to fucking do Mm -hmm. and I wanted him out of our lives I wanted him gone I wanted him scared but you just you can't do those things. Yeah. You have to call the police. Mm, yeah. It's the roughest situation. Domestic violence is just so fucking rough. If anybody out there is uh, a... I mean, if you are a former victim of domestic violence and you've gotten out of it, uh, send us an email at cavecomedyradio at gmail.com uh, and we'll share it with everyone because, you know, this is... I'm going to plead ignorance on this one. Like, I, I really don't know. Uh, and so if anyone out there has... Uh, had any experience with it and has gotten out of it or is currently going through it and wants to talk about the psychology of it and what you're thinking right now uh, and might help out some other people, send us an email at cavecomedyradio at gmail.com and, you know, we'll explore it. 
All right, well, let's get to our uh, letters for today. All right. Our first letter is a follow-up from Winona Dunrider. Dunrider. She says, uh, I'm a huge fan of sex and other human activities and an even bigger fan of last podcast on the left. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. (laughs) (laughs) Both of the podcasts uh, bring such happiness and laughter. Uh, Anytime I listen to one, uh, y'all are amazing human beings and keep up the kick-ass and hilarious stuff you do. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, now that I've probably boosted your egos, you have. (laughs) (laughs) On to why I'm writing. Y'all christened me as Winona Dunrider, and I was the completely clueless moron who didn't know what Tinder was, but I'm writing in a second time for a different reason. Clueless, yes. Moron, no. Yes. <laughs> Tinder has not gotten the the biggest, uh, uh, I guess, exposure outside of New York City and you know big cities like L.A. and things like that. As you know, we've talked about. So it's for the best. It's for the you best. You are not a moron. <laughs> and very, very quickly, I when I first got became single, uh, I checked out Tinder. I was like, you know what? This, it wasn't around when I was single the time before because I'd been in this relationship for a couple years and it's fairly new. So I was like, all right, I'll fucking check, I'll check it out. I'll see what's up. Then I looked on Facebook and I realized that because what it does is that it takes pictures from your Facebook profile and puts them onto Tinder. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you so, don't even choose what pictures are on there? You do choose, oh. but you have to choose from your Facebook profile. Oh, uh, okay. Only problem is that all of my pictures on Facebook, I'm in skull face paint covered in blood. Yeah. Or it's a weird, like, something that, like, someone's photoshopped my face onto Bob Ross's body, and I'm painting, <laughs> like, a picture of Pogo the Clown. Thank you, Judy. <laughs> I love those pictures. They're great, but not too good for getting laid in New York City. Yeah, that's the thing. and Or, you know, easily scaring people away. Easily scaring people away. I swiped right... I couldn't tell you how many times I I would say many dozen times, uh, and I got one response uh, that was like one sentence, and I replied in my special way. It's only I can creepily reply oh, over uh, the internet, which I'm not good at at all. <laughs> uh, and uh, she didn't get back to me. Oh, uh, no. So I decided, you know, Tinder's just a... And I felt very creepy and weird doing it the entire time. Was, can't do it. So, Winona, don't feel bad. It's a mugs game. Yeah, it's a mugs game. <laughs> it's just a mugs game. Yeah, it's just, it's just a mugs game. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Says, she uh, continues. She said, since around middle school, I've always dealt with what I assumed and probably is... Teen, hom- teen hormones. I've had days, maybe two or three, where I just felt like shit. I didn't want to smile or be happy, though I faked it on the outside so no one would ask questions. I'd get this hollow feeling in my chest. I just want to curl up in a ball in my bed and cry. Sometimes I did, only if I was home alone. I would get these thoughts that I was ugly, worthless, that no one wanted me around, and I was a waste of space. I thought a lot about killing myself and what would happen when I was gone. It seemed the pros for doing it always outweighed the cons, though I never had the guts to do it. But then three days would pass, and I would have a week or two to be as normal as I was capable of being. But I wouldn't just have very depressing days. I also had days where I felt like a time bomb, barely containing the annoyance and rage I felt towards everyone. Every little thing seemed to get under my skin that I would normally not even care about. Those days I put on my birch face. Oh, wait. Those days I put on my bitch face. Autocorrect. <laughs> in order to scare everyone off and to keep from saying things I'd regret. 
I thought this is all normal teen female hormones, though I never had these days while I was having what I like to call my monthly moon time. I dealt with these hormonal days from middle school through high school and now to my sophomore year of college. I've noticed they're not days anymore. Yesterday I woke up grouchy but content. As the day progressed, I was biting my tongue from annoyance. In one class, that changed to being depressed. But once class was over, depression changed to rage, and I literally ran to my car a mile away in order to blow off some steam. And since listening to this show and the Brighter Sides episode about suicide, I've started to wonder if what I've been dealing with is normal or if it was something worse, such as depression or bipolar. I want y'all to be brutally honest. I keep thinking that I just want to be able to label what I've been through and so uh, I can dismiss what I felt as just being a teenager. My college provides free counseling, but I'm not sure it would help with psychiatric issues. I don't have the courage to see if they could help me. I'm sure I'm the only one who's dumb enough not to know what I'm dealing with, and I'm also sure no other listener wants to hear my ramblings, so y'all can keep uh, this off an episode so more pressing issues can be dealt with. I do hope to get a reply as soon as y'all have time for my less important question. I and all the listeners appreciate the help and advice you give us. Have a great day, and may Satan not let things fuck with you. Hail Satan. Have I said that enough? (laughs) You're all right. Yeah, don't it's it's especially going through the transition especially from high school into college it's a tailspin inside of your fucking head huge one and also don't think that this question is not important because it's extremely important especially when you're coming from inside of your head it's much more difficult to put your ideas or put of what you think of what's going on inside of you you have to get this shit out yeah you have to and Asking us is a great first step, and I don't think that we need to label you. I don't think that there's anything like that. I think that you need to talk to somebody, and I think that counseling will definitely help no matter what. Yeah. No, Just getting shit out helps. It'll put it into perspective when you are shifting from emotion to emotion during the day of why this is happening. Because when you're talking it out with someone, and that's something that uh, I deal with on a daily basis where I am, I am not on medication currently, and when things happen, I journal about it, I talk to Marcus about it, I try and figure out, okay, so what triggered me? Sometimes it was nothing. And that's the scariest and hardest part, is that sometimes it's nothing, sometimes it's your brain that just decides, nope, you're going to be like this now, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's why talking to someone and if eventually labeling it helps you, that's great. But I think that the first step is to talk about it before jumping to like, I need medication, I need, because it's, it, the time you're going through right now is the hardest fucking time ever. And then you'll hit it again when you leave college. Yeah. And then you'll hit it again when you get your first job. Yes. And then when you hit it, hit it again when you get your second job. And then when you, you're in a transitionary period right now. Transitionary periods are fucking tough. And they're even tougher when you're dealing with shit, when you're dealing with like mental illness type shit. And not to say that, that you are, that this is, that's actually what's going on. Uh, and you're only in your sophomore year right now. It could just be that you're just dealing with the stress of a transitionary period in your life. Sometimes people can transition very easily. Sometimes it's extremely difficult to transition. Uh, and if you're having thoughts of suicide, then you absolutely need to talk to somebody. You need to talk to, and if you've been having these thoughts, for a very long time and you've also got to ask yourself you know that's 
What I've been asked by uh, a lot of by psychiatrists that I've seen is they ask two questions about suicide. They ask one, have you ever thought about suicide? Of course, the answer is yes. You know, I think most people, the answer is going to be yes. And then the next thing they ask is, have you made plans? Like, have you looked up? you know, suicide, like how to commit suicide online. Have you thought like, okay, if I commit suicide, I'm going to walk up to the reservoir. I'm going to tie a bag of rocks around my neck and I'm going to jump in. And if that, if that answer is yes, then that is much more serious than it is. If you've just thought about like, I wonder what, I kind of don't want to live anymore. Like, I, I don't know, like, this, or thinking, like, this is all overwhelming. Like, it would be much easier to kill myself. Right. It would That's, be much easier for everybody else. And that is yeah. a weirdly normal thing. I mean, it is a normal thing. You know, it, it is a normal say, thing. But, but thinking about being a burden on everyone else, like, that is a very serious sign of su- suicidal yes. thoughts. That is extremely serious. Uh, and it's not to say if you haven't made specific plans, then your thoughts aren't serious because they are. Uh, these are, these types of thoughts are all serious. But if you are getting to the point, were you making plans, then they are getting deathly serious. Literally, deathly fucking serious. Uh, and if you're to that point, then you need to get help now. But thoughts of suicide, like years-long recurring thoughts of suicide. I mean, yes, that is a sign of depression, but like we say, we're not doctors. We can't put a label on you. We cannot tell you what this is. Uh, and you don't even... I, I think the desire to put a label on something, that is... I think that's that's just part of human nature. We want to we you want, want an answer. We want an answer, you know, and that is an answer. You're like, oh, okay, depression, great, bipolar, great, OCD, great, anger, great. Like we've got these. If you once you have a label for something, then you can take steps towards it. But we can't give you that label. You have to go to see somebody to see what's going on with you, and it might not be that you have. Uh, depression, or it might not be that you're bipolar. It might be that uh, yeah, it could be hormones, you know, but it could also be just general stress in life. It could just be stress overall, and it could be that you just need to learn how to manage stress better. It could be even any number of things, but you won't know until you go to talk to somebody, until you go see somebody. And even if your counselors don't uh, have psychiatric care uh, at your college, they can at the very least put you somewhere or not put you but lead you somewhere that does have psychiatric care Uh, and some universities do have psychiatric programs within the university themselves uh, where you can work with uh, people going for their master's degree and things like that like there are a lot there certainly there are many more options for people at a college than there are for people who aren't at a college. So be, be thankful that you have that resource. More than more importantly, use that resource. You've got a resource that a lot of people don't have access to, uh, and you've got the time to take advantage of it, and you need to take advantage of it. And I do suggest that when you're feeling like a change of like, okay, I was just this way, and now I'm feeling this way, write about it. Yeah. Write about what your thoughts are, because sometimes it's like when you're in a different state, you don't even realize how you're thinking you know it could like it's like sometimes when i'm in an like in a in a state of panic and i write the things i write i'm just like oh my god i don't even remember thinking that yeah and and it really does shed a lot of light on, on those times of 
either anger or depression or panic. You know, it really, it just like tapping into your own brain. And I also thought it was interesting, Mark, is when you said it's like everyone is sensitive to stress in different ways too, which some people aren't affected by it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know myself that I am extremely sensitive to stress and that I immediately can feel how much heightened, how much more heightened all of my emotions are when I am super stressed out, which I know that's like, oh, that happens to everybody, but I've seen a lot of people that deal with stress very well. We know many people who deal with stress extremely well. Ed Larson, yes. for example, is deals with stress. You could, Perfectly. You would never know that he is ever stressed out a day in his fucking life. And yes. he is. He gets very stressed out, but he handles it impeccably. Like It's ridiculous how well he handles stress. Uh, but us, on the other hand, very sensitive. Very, very sensitive. <laughs> very, very, very sensitive indeed. And that's uh, okay. That's it, fine. It's, but also acknowledging it has helped me when I'm in that state being like, okay, I'm just this way because I'm stressed out, because I'm thinking of da 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 and all those things. And, you know, when you're in, especially you're in college and everything is new, and you said, like, you know, you're going from class to class, you're doing all these new different fucking things, and you're, like, learning things for what might be the rest of your fucking career. You know, it's stressful. Yeah. And even if you're like, oh, but I'm not that stressed out, you are. Yeah. It's it's a lot to handle, and it's okay to accept the fact that you're stressed and that it's really taken its toll on you. You just have to deal with it. Yeah. And I've lately been really trying to deal with seeing what's right in front of me rather than the 20 things I have to do that day. Yes. I am present here. I am doing this podcast right now. If I start thinking about A, B, C, and D that I have to do later on today, I'm not here at all. And it helps keep me stable to say, okay, this is where I am. This is what I'm working on. And I'm not going to think about what's happening later on today. Centered and present. Very difficult. Oh, I think... Very, very difficult. I think being present is one of the most difficult things that a person can do. And especially in, you know, the fucking 21st century. I think being present is extremely difficult to do. And I think being present causes a lot of people anxiety. You see people looking at their phones. You see people thinking ahead and thinking in the past. You know, if you... Like, looking at your phone is is a way to not be present in the moment right. and so it's a way to escape what reality you're in at that moment uh, and just being present and not thinking especially people that are as busy as we are that have so many different projects and so many different things like it's very easy to think ahead to what's going on next week the week after that an hour from now or to think about the past to think about what you did yesterday did was that good enough you know, does, is what I did good enough yesterday? Is what I did last week going to fuck me up? Something that's going to happen in five five weeks from now? Uh, you can, like, the lines that you can draw from one thing to another uh, is endless. Yes. It is endless the ways that you can stress yourself out uh, by not being present and in the moment and actually doing what you're doing, you know, and actually focus on focusing on what you're doing. I'm having a real fucking hard time with it right now, like talking about it. Because when I started talking about like that thing in the past, connected to that thing in the future, I'm starting start, thinking of it. I'm starting thinking of it yeah. like like five different things just popped into my fucking head all at once, uh, and it's it's difficult. And fucking kudos for you for holding on to that, man. Trying, trying. Oh, at the very le- yeah, just trying at the very least. It's it's. It's difficult. But I would suggest, though, which part of my trying and doing this is putting the phone down. Yeah. Is when I have time 
not looking at my phone, not even watching anything. Like I've been trying to think more mm-hmm. about what's going on, like check in more and and working on that really is helping to keep me more present um, rather than the distractions of all of our lives, which is, makes it very easy to jump from one emotion to the next because you're all over the place. Yeah, You just gotta be, stay as present as possible and definitely talk to a counselor. Yeah. Man. But I think that you are going to I think that you are going to be fine. You just got to get the shit off your chest. Yeah, man. And start dealing with it. Just got to get it all out there. But once you get out there, then uh you're going to be all right. It's going to be great. You man. you've got yeah, I think you should have a very positive attitude right now. And I'm telling you the second you start talking to someone about it, a huge weight will lift from your chest. Oh, uh, yeah, man. It, it's you. like nothing else. It's wonderful. Like just talking to someone and just getting it out is uh, it's fantastic. It's a wonderful feeling. All right, well, let's get to our next letter. Old friend Liz. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't heard from her in quite a while, so uh, let's let's check in with her and let's see how she's doing. Says, Hello again. It's an old friend. Congratulations on all the exciting ventures and opportunities ahead. I'm so glad to hear things are going so well for both of you. You've helped me out so much in the past. I feel bad asking for more. Don't feel bad. Says there are so many others out there with worse problems than me. I came off as a person who held it together through 72-hour weeks, reaching a dream and standing up for two members of my family who needed a safe household for my cousin and couldn't provide one. But I'm not really the Wonder Woman you think of me. Yes, That's I, not true. Not true. Yes, I offered to adopt my cousin's kids, which caused strife in the family for a while. We all seem to be over it now, thankfully. Yes, I put in countless hours on a graphic novel projects that project that did nothing but crash and burn, like so many of my other attempts to break out into the art field that I love so much. But lately, it's come to a head that I'm really just at a dead end or feel that way. Just yesterday, September 7th, my husband and I celebrated our six-year wedding anniversary. He wanted to go do something fun outside while I merely agreed so he wouldn't complain. I've been so run down tired since our son started kindergarten. My work schedule has completely changed with the 8.30 and 3.30 school bell, and my husband's work schedule has too. I tried to have fun, pretended like it was a great day. That night, I couldn't hold it in... That night, I couldn't hold it in any longer when my husband asked me, what did you think we would... Where would, where did you think we would be at six years later on our wedding day? A supposedly fun hypothetical question. But all I could do is cry and say, I thought we would be happier. I thought we would be in a house. I would have a job that I would enjoy and make enough where he could be a stay-at-home dad like he wants. I thought one of my art projects would get off the ground and be something. But six years, two dead-end jobs, four failed comic books, one failed graphic novel, one failed children's book, and one storyboarded movie that will never see film later. I'm at my wit's end. My husband says I'm a negative Nancy and tries to help me focus on positive things and be less of a negative cesspool, but I can't. I want us to be so much further or happier in life than we are. He's a lifer at a chain grocery store. I'm in a permanent contractor for a company that offers nothing but a paycheck, no retirement, sick leave, vacations, etc. And neither of us are any closer to achieving a dream. I would love to move out of city, state, or even country, get a clean state to start fresh, but we just can't. Our son is in school, and both of us are changed to our jobs, so it just can't happen. I see no way out of this rat maze. I've sat in my car... I've sat in my car in the parking lot at work thinking the highway is right there. Tons of people disappear every day. Why can't I be one of them? Just get on I-25 and drive. Don't look back. Which seconds later, after the thought pops up, I feel awful. I love my son. I love my husband. But I can't act or pretend anymore. 
I've contemplated not taking my asthma prevention inhaler and waiting for the in- inevitable months from now when the Colorado allergens take their toll. This rat can't run the maze or not the walls anymore. Love, Liz. I don't think that you are as deep in as as it seems. Yeah. It's hard when you are you feel like you're staring at a wall and that there's no other way out. It's hard to see any kind of light of day. And you have to remember that there are ways to get out. It won't be fast, but you can move your way past this. And sometimes it sucks to have somebody tell you to be positive when all you can see is the negative. And it's easy to live in the negative when you're staring at a corner of a wall and there's no light. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now is that the negative feelings you're having are not invalid. You're in a shit time right now. It sucks a lot. But with everything that you've gone through, and you know, I know that you say you're not as like superwoman as you say you are because of all the shit you've gone through. And right now, it's your turn to be in the shit. And it sucks. But if there's anyone that can get out of this, it's fucking you. Yeah. Every email that you've ever sent us, you are such a strong fucking woman. And, you know, your kids in school and you're in these jobs and the comic books aren't working. You just got to keep going. I think there's an important thing to keep in mind here is that there is a difference between just because something is a quote unquote failure doesn't mean that it's not an accomplishment. And also doesn't mean that it's not that it could be something later on down the line. It's just they don't want it right now. Yeah. Or Which how many fucking projects are like that where they see it and they're like, no, we don't want this right now. Yeah. Or it's just a stepping stone into getting better each time. If, you know, they don't take this one, maybe they'll take the next one or the next one or the next one. And it doesn't matter if nobody takes it as far as like, it doesn't matter because each time you're getting better and better and better. And you're keeping your fucking nose to the grindstone. And yeah, man, I mean, you're in the the fucking rejection pit right now. Like, it is a, a shit place, and it is a very rough place to be in. Uh, but some people, it just takes longer than others. Some people can... I'll give you, say, an example here in, in New York City. Like, I'll give you an example of stand-up comedians. Let's just say this. Some guys will work for 10 years before they finally make it big. Like, 10 years just fucking going... Like, say, like, Nick Turner did, I think, 12 years doing stand-up before he got a late-night spot. Uh, and he went... He fucking put his the fucking work in every single day and worked for 10, 11 years before he finally got a TV spot. Uh, Jeff Ross went 20 years yeah. before he got anything and he just kept fucking doing it yeah living in the gutter you know just yeah doing it but comparatively fucking michael che two years right two years and he's on tv you can't compare yourself to other people that doesn't mean that you know his work is less you know worth less than you know other people's or that other people's work is worth less than his work it just means that everybody works on a different timeline uh and you're don't think of it as being stuck right now. Like, you're not stuck. There's always a way out. It's just not necessarily right in front of you. Sometimes you just have to keep fucking looking. 
And I'll tell you this, keeping looking, even if you keep looking until the day you die, it's better than just laying down and dying in the it. spot that you are. Right? Even if, even if it never happens, do you want to just lay down and die? Do you want to spend your nights fucking watching TV, watching people and thinking like, oh, maybe I could do that. Boy, I wish I could do that. No, that's going to make you even more miserable. It's going to make you even worse. And, you know, you talk about, you know, not taking your asthma prevention inhaler. I mean, you've got shit to live for. and You know you do. The way you talk about your husband, the way you talk about your kids, or the way you talk about your kid, the way you talk about your family, you care about people so fucking much. And that is a... I mean, I hate to say it, but that's an almost rare thing in this day and age. For people, for someone to care as much as you do about other people, like we that is... We need people like we you. We need people like <laughs> you. Oh, God. it's We need people like you. It's like, that's so... And to care for other people is, you know, that in and of itself is fulfilling. You know, that is something like that you have that a lot of people don't have. A lot of people can't do that. A lot of people can't care for others. They don't know how. They don't have it in them. You know, the type of empathy that you have is rare. And that is something that must be cherished and must be nourished. And that must be something that you keep fucking within yourself, that you keep perpetuating. Because you've got to teach your kid how to do that. And your kid's got to teach his kid how to do that. you got to... I mean, think of it this way, is just the type of person you are, even if you don't have that tangible, if, even if you never have that tangible graphic novel in your hand, published, you have so many other intangible things that will keep you going throughout the years. And also you're giving the gift of the confidence to your child to not give up on his dreams, that he could have that yeah. tangible graphic novel in his hand someday. Yeah. And then it makes it all worth it. You know, it, not to live for your through your kids, but to to raise a good human being, we need that. Yeah, the world needs good people like you and like your family to keep the positive world here. Yeah, rather than just letting the negative take over. And you're in a negative spot right now, and that's okay. But you can't wallow in it. Yeah, you know, and, and acknowledging it, and you understand that. And of course, going out for half a day with your husband is not going to make you the happiest. You got all these other fucking things going on in your head. You are completely valid in feeling that way. Yeah, and, that just, day. and just because it's your wedding anniversary doesn't mean that some fucking switch is going to flip in your head and you're suddenly going to be happy and everything's suddenly going to be fine. That's not how people work. It's not how life works. But I would say that whenever I feel like that I'm really getting into a spot because you know in all of us in any like a lot of creative fields hell most fields you hit a point when you're just like I don't know if I should continue on with this if I should do something else but even if you hate your job look at other jobs even if you aren't able to move into another job what if you found one that was perfect you know just looking at the other opportunities that there are out there that or take 25 bucks of your paycheck every month and put it into a house fund or get you know it's a there are ways to plan for the future that it, it will help the now to have something to look forward to small small steps yes anything that will make you feel better that you feel that you're working forward 
whether it's on a project, but I, you know, financially it sucks. You can't just move. You're right. You can't just give up your life and move somewhere else and start over. That's not feasible, especially when you have a child, which because you're such a good mother, you understand that. Yeah. And of course you see that fucking highway, which how many mothers have done that? Every have mother. looked at that fucking highway and was like, <laughs> what if I just left? Every mother, every I mean, father. Every, I just, I, that is not a, that is not an uncommon thought to have. Because it would be easy. <laughs> but you would get 50 miles down that fucking road and you'd turn back anyway. Yeah. Because you're a good person. And you have to remember that you're doing the best you can right now and all you can do is move forward. And you will in turn, if you can just change your perspective to say, all right, I'm not in a rut, I'm moving forward. Mm -hmm. It will help you propel you out of that hole. And it's a corny saying, but I mean, I do think about it a lot myself is, you know, the, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Yeah, it, it's that that is it's it's corny and it's a kind of a you know become cliche at this point, but it's helped me out a hell of a whole lot in life. Uh, you know, getting to the point where we are now here at the station, like it's it all started with a single fucking step. It started with me, you know, buying a microphone, uh, and that's where it all starts. So if you get that one tiny little step, uh, and and another thing that I've uh, you know thought about over the years uh, or another kind of philosophy that I've had as far as like working towards getting you know getting out of working shitty day jobs and things like that is you know just put in the work if you just put your head down and just put in the work and I haven't over the years like I didn't think about get like as many listeners as we have today I never thought about that like I, I never thought about like okay I want this many listeners by this time and I want this many by this time and and so on and so forth like I never thought about that all I thought about was I'm gonna put my head down I'm gonna put in the work and I'm gonna do the best that I fucking can and whatever happens happens if it doesn't happen then that's fine I put in the work and I can be proud of the fucking work that I did uh, but I think that's a good way to, to look at creative pursuits. You know, just put in the work, put your head down, put in the work, and don't... I mean, of course, you know, you have to submit things and you have to get to the point where you put your stuff out there and you also have to promote yourself, but that's part of the work. You know, it's all a part of it. So if you put in the work, put your head down, then at the very least, even if nothing... And I'll tell you, I've had a hundred failed projects, you know, that just... That didn't... That never got... A hundred projects that I spent so much fucking time on that just never got off the ground but those projects every single one of those projects taught me something uh, that got me to the point where I am right now and you learn something new all the time how just yesterday I've been doing this for years and years and years and I figured something else out yesterday that revolutionized the entire way that I record you know and it's you learn something new all the time and that doesn't mean that everything came before was a failure it just means that everything in the future is going to be better also remember the projects that you've worked on I'm sure that you have some that you didn't finish but you have like five projects that you finished yeah that have come to completion that most people can't say that a lot of people start things and it's like remember that you are finishing those projects and whether they're not getting taken right now and no one's reading them no one's interested in it right now you have one that people get interested in and they'll take the rest of them. Yeah. Like, don't see them as failed things. They're not unfinished projects. They are just waiting. Just think of them as if they're just on hold. They're not ready for this shit yet. And they will be. You just have to have that one. Just open up that fucking door. And it could be the next one. 
mm-hmm. could be the one after that. But it just takes one to open up the door for yourself and then they'll look at your other projects and then they'll wa- be interested in them. So mm-hmm. don't see them as dead, don't see them as failed. You did them, they're done, they're completed, accomplished. Yeah. They haven't made you any money yet, but they haven't made you any money yet. Yeah. And just view them as that, and it will. I think it will just help you move forward on the next project. Yeah, and if you don't continue and do more projects, then that's where they'll stay. They'll stay in your closet, and they won't go anywhere. So you've got, if you want those things to live, keep going, keep doing it. You are not in a dead end. Uh, you're not dying in that fucking maze. You just got to keep going. Put you gotta turn there. around, man. Turn around. Go the other direction. Just keep going. Get out of the maze. All right. Well, that's all we got for this week. We believe in you. <laughs> we believe in you, fucker. We believe in all of you. Yeah, fuckers. <laughs> what are you doing over there? You gonna hold it? You gonna hold it over there? <laughs> hey, I was saying fuckers for just as long as holding the same fucker. I bet. I've been saying fuckers oh, for a yeah. while. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah, saying yeah. fuckers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't like saying fuckers? Everyone loves fuckers, Marcus. You're right. It's not his word. It's everyone's word. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're a fucker. I'm a fucker. Fucker belongs to us all. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Thank you, Marcus, for giving us fuckers back. <laughs> hey. You never lost it in the first place. (laughs) My name is Jackie Zabrowski. I'm Marcus Parks. And if you've got a question for us or if you want to comment on anything that we've said today, cavecomedyradio at gmail.com is the address. Uh, And we'll see you next week. We'll talk to you next week. Goodbye.